Hello, and welcome to the Scriptures Are Real podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about elements of the scriptures that have helped them become more real to us because we think that helps us draw them uh, more into our lives and apply them better, and we need all the power we can get from the scriptures. I'm your host, Carrie Mielstein, and I'm so happy for my guest today. I have uh, with us Casey Elliott, who's a, a singer and actor. Uh, Casey's been on on Broadway and, and toured uh, as Jean Valjean and Les Mis and, and a lot of other roles. He's been in church films and other kinds of films as an actor and uh, as a member of a, a, a tenor group right now. Uh, I'll let him tell you a little bit more about that, but uh, has a, a long, you'll recognize him, many of you, if you're look, doing this on YouTube, uh, but uh, I think he's even been in some temple films, but uh, uh, we'll, uh, you'll recognize him uh, and, and his voice, but I'm just happy he's willing to come on and uh, share with us. So welcome, Casey. Yeah, thank you, Carrie. It's good to, good to be with you. I, I've been a fan of yours ever since I I heard you on another podcast, <laughs> and uh, I think Hank Smith referred to you as like the the LDS uh, uh, Indiana Jones. And yeah, that, that's because the, those guys don't really have anything better to do. So yeah, they <laughs> uh, they, they just uh, sit around and make funny videos of of me and try and give me a hard time. But anyway, they're they're a great bunch. So, well, yeah. tell us a little bit more about yourself, Casey. What did I miss? And uh, I, I mean, I know you're married, that kind of thing. What else should we know? Yeah, no, I um, I live up up in Layton, Utah. Um, I, I make sure to drop the T on that, just just so people know I'm I've been here long enough. <laughs> there you go. There you go. If it's, if it's Layton, you know they're it's they're not a yeah. native. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So well, it's our British uh, background, right? So we go Layton. Yeah. Layton. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but now I have four kids, uh, three teenagers as of this year. Uh, so good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. 16 to 9 it's great i uh i love the different age ranges and all the all the unique aspects of each age brings with it you know just just fun and and different <laughs> different kind of life but uh but yeah we uh we've been up here for about 11 years um before then i i toured a little bit with some broadway shows and um and then you toured uh, in Europe too, didn't you? Am I remembering right? Um, well, so no, we, we toured in China. Oh, that's okay. China, Europe, it's all the same. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's my geography coming to bear. That's good. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was wild. Um, yeah. China uh, was kind of my first experience in Asia. I served my mission in Argentina. So I, I had a little bit of international time, but, but China was just like a different world. You know, mm -hmm. it was it was a really fascinating experience for me, but loved it. My wife uh, came out a few times and we, you know, toured around and we ziplined off the Great Wall of China. And oh, that's cool. <laughs> uh, that's really cool. But yeah, it, it was it was fun. And, and those experiences and touring and stuff, um, it was it was at the right time of life, I'll say, you know, our kids were young. The first tour I went on, um, we actually had our first child. He was eight months old. And ah. so my wife and and I and he just drove our own car. Um, so there was the tour bus. We had our own car and we toured almost all 50 states over a, the wow. course of a year. I can't uh, imagine taking a child that's probably still nursing and certainly in diapers on a tour of all 50 states <laughs> in the in the car seat, right? Wow. You guys are brave. 
<laughs> yeah, he and he was a champ. Uh, I think he was kind of the adopted tour mascot. Everybody you know, <laughs> wanted to watch him and play with him and really the only kid, you know, on, yeah. on the, whole, the whole group. But well, that's great. Tell us yeah. about this group you're part of right now, the, the tenor trio. Uh, how would people learn about that? Yeah, so uh, it's called Gentry, and uh, we've, we've been, we started about, gosh, almost eight years ago now, um, and uh, we started do, during our first production of Les Miserables at Hale Center Theater when it, was, when it was in West Valley, and we honestly just started it because my wife uh, made the recommendation one night. Um, we kind of laughed it off at first, but the more, like, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And the more we started kind of talking about it, the more I thought, you know what, this would be, this would be really fun. It'd be hopefully meaningful and impactful. And so we started it um, not really knowing what it would turn into, but we've just been so incredibly fortunate and blessed to have some amazing opportunities. Uh, in fact, just, just yesterday, I, we looked at um, our, we have a Christmas video of, of uh, Little Drummer Boy that just hit 150 million views. Wow. And, and most of those views, interesting enough, are like not at Christmas time. So <laughs> we've got uh, a whole bunch of people out there watching Christmas videos during the summer. <laughs> Christmas in July. Yeah. yeah. Wow. But, uh, but yeah, we, we, we do a lot of stuff at Christmas time and um, we have our kind of our big show here in Salt Lake City um, the weekend after Thanksgiving and and then we we do a little bit of touring, so it's it's been it's been a huge blessing, honestly, um, for for all of us in the group and and our families. Um, I tell people because they ask, you know, with travel, because you know, as a performer, you travel a lot, and they're always like, "How do you balance that with your family?" And one of the things that that I've done over the years is I I try to always take one person at least with me. So sometimes it's my wife, but oftentimes it's just one child at a time. And I joke with people, I say, I, I love my kids. I will always love my kids. But going on these one-on-one -on -one trips with them reminds me that I actually like my kids. <laughs> and it reminds them that they actually like me. <laughs> uh, that's cool. That's great. That's great. Uh, fantastic. Great. Well, thank you. Uh, and I'm sure people can uh, find that online and so on and, and get to know and enjoy that music better. So, uh, and, and music is, uh, you know, a big part of your life, obviously. And uh, we're talking about the Psalms, which uh, we read as a text, but it was music. So it seems like a good time to, to kind of mix those two together. So I'd love to hear how of uh, the Psalms are really, we, we can go anywhere in scripture, but, but uh, especially the Psalms, how, how has that become real to you or enriched your life or, or uh, what, what would you like to talk about? Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess, first of all, I, um, you know, maybe you've talked about this already in, in other episodes, but just that the power of music is fascinating, right? Like I kind of I kind of sit back sometimes and ask myself why is music so powerful? Like what is it about it that's so powerful? And I, I don't know that we really understand it. I don't I don't know that we'll fully understand it until the next life. Um, I mean I I think that it has a lot to do with um, even like on a scientific level the way that certain vibrations and yeah. resonance can like move us in, in different ways. I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with the, um, 
the sand experiments with the um, where they pour sand or salt on top of a, a metal plate. And then underneath they have a, a speaker that emits different sound, different tones and frequencies. Oh, I haven't heard and that. It's fascinating. You, you can YouTube it, but they, they, they'll emit a frequency and the sand will instantly spontaneously respond and move itself into a, a very unique, complex, symmetrical shape. Really? It's, yeah, it's fascinating. And it's like, wow. and each frequency has sort of a signature design to it. Wow. And so, and That's then you, cool. can, you can get crazy with combinations of frequencies. And so you look at those, those little experiments and you're like, wow, like if sound and obviously music can move matter, like how is it moving us? That's uh, interesting. Yeah, so I'll come at it from because I have a, a degree in psychology besides my my ancient stuff, and uh, I, and I know that that music involves different parts of the brain, uh, right? Then then we will get in just talking or something else, and so it, it, it I didn't know about what you're talking about, but it, it, I know it involves different parts of the brain. So when you put all this together, it seems like it's going to affect our whole being in different ways than other forms of communication and and they're all valuable we want all of them but but we don't want to uh, we want to take advantage of this one right so yeah yeah exactly it's kind of like um just just coming at receiving knowledge and truth from every angle possible you know let's let's hear it let's read it let's experience it through music and i think a combination of all those things is it's coming at us like you say in all these different um different areas of our, our bodies, our brains, our, our spirits. I think they all get communicated to in, in very different but important ways. Uh, I agree. Yeah. Well, um, you know, as, I, as I've been looking at these Psalms um, and, and thinking about this power that music has, I mean, right off the bat in 102, where it, it's this, this plea in anguish, you know, it's hear my prayer, O Lord, <clears throat> and let my cry come unto thee. Um, I, I've had this, um, this crazy like epiphany over the last, especially seven, eight years with Gentry that, that music really is powerful and is powerful in the sense that it can heal mm. uh, people. And I, again, I don't understand it. Um, it, it's fascinating to me that we can make a song, either write an original song or take, take an existing song, create a recording of it or a video or, or something, and then send it out into the world. And then it can just interact with people in, in unique ways. Mm. Like it's, it's a really fascinating, I, I think even a process of creation where, um, there's, I don't know if you know the book, uh, Big Magic. It's, it's a, a book on creativity and the creative process. And, huh. and the author talks about how it's, it's almost as if ideas are floating around out there and they're, they're occasionally descending on us. And when, they, when an idea comes to us, descends upon us, it, it basically is knocking on the door and, and asking to be created. And we can either kind of give that idea space and and bring it to life by physically creating it. So it could be in the form of a poem. It could be in a form of a song. 
Um, it could be a talk. It could be anything. Anything that first is an idea and then needs to be physically manifested. And if we decide not to um, entertain that idea, then the idea will politely and, and you know, eventually just <laughs> kind of continue on until it gets to somebody else willing to, you know, do that thing. And I, I think even if you think about it in terms of like, you may have thought, oh, somebody does something really awesome. You may have thought, oh, I had that idea five years ago. That's crazy that they're, that they are doing that same thing, that idea I had. So who knows? You wonder if, you know, how that works, but, yeah. um, but yeah, I mean, if, if we look at that creative process and almost like, uh, I sort of equate it to, um, like in the pro great price when it talks about how we were intelligence or intelligences before mm -hmm. we became spiritual children of God. Um, I sort of look at, at creativity, creative ideas as that, you know, it's sort of that like pure intelligence that exists out there. And, and we have an opportunity on earth to take that and create it into this physical thing that then in a way goes out and continues to evolve just like, like we do um, as God's creations. And I think it's like a, just like a micro example of how we can participate in the creative process and the creation process um, here on earth. Um, but music definitely has kind of a life of its own. You know, it takes on this meaning and this, this personalization that we don't always intend as musicians. Um, and I, I wonder, you know, I think scripture is very similar where, yeah a lot of these things are written down and, and they may have had one intent or one thought, but you know, they obviously are interacting with us and changing us in very unique personal ways. Yeah. I, I'm thinking of what you're saying and, and kind of coupling it with the Holy ghost, right. Which would, would magnify this effect that this ability to have uh, an idea come to you when it's supposed to come, right. The Holy ghost brings it to you. And it's true. If you're not going to listen the Holy Ghost isn't going to force you to, to uh, understand that idea, right, or to, to have it change your life. Yeah. Um, but it also certainly makes it so that uh, we each re receive from an idea or from scripture or music what we need at that moment. Yeah. And uh, and God will teach us. I, I, I can't tell you how many times like I've uh, given a talk or something and uh, someone comes up to me and they says, oh, I loved it when you talked about this and this. And I think I didn't talk about that. Right. But the spirit was teaching them what they needed to know. And my guess would be if they heard the song or they were reading the scripture or something another time, it teaches them a different thing because that's what they need. And and so that's what I love, like when we can combine scripture and music together, then you get both of these incredibly powerful media. Uh, and if you if it's something that that invites the spirit, then you have the spirit with it. What a powerful way to really affect us. Right. And and so I kind of like it when you get the same scripture put to music, different kinds of music, and they, they both work, right? They, they, they interpret, the music really interprets scripture the way that, you know, like Handel's Messiah, and you hear wonderful counsel, right? And, and you just think, yeah. I, I mean, the way that the music goes with that, it, it impacts the way you interpret that. But if you were to put different music to it, you'd interpret it a different way, and they'd both be right, yes. uh, right? And the Spirit will just teach you what you need to know. So I, I, I think the combination of scriptures and music in that way and the Holy Ghost it really speak to me, at least, about the, the concepts you're talking about. I love it. I love it. 
Yeah, I, I just, again, I think that our, our knowledge of, of how music can be used really as a tool, you know, as a tool of learning, as a tool of healing is, is really limited at this point. But I, I do think that there's something to it. I, I think that there's something there. And I think if we look at music as, as a means of expanding our knowledge, our understanding of spiritual things, um, and of overcoming hardship, I think that we um, will unlock amazing things. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be able to get through things that we otherwise maybe couldn't as easily gotten through. Um, I, I think even like in the, in the creation process, I, I think music was a part of that like in a lot of ways. I mean, especially when you look at these experiments with the sand and you're, look, you're seeing how, how sound can actually move matter. I think that, you know, there, there's something to that with even the creation of the world, you know, and how music and, and sound and frequencies, again, at this level that we can't fully wrap our heads around right now, um, but it's, it's powerful. And so as I, as I think about, you know, the psalmist here and, and people going through hardship, um, trying to get through these these immense trials. And I mean, as a side note, I, I was sitting in my sacred meeting a few weeks ago during testimony meeting, and one person after another gets up and they, they're sharing these incredible trials. Mm. You know, like I lost my daughter to, to cancer. I lost my, my son to a heart attack. I my granddaughter died in a tragic accident. I mean, it's just like one person after another was sharing these incredible trials. And I just thought, thought like, we're, we all, like if you looked out over an audience, 90% of those people are probably dealing with a major trial. Yeah. You know, it's like, yep. none of us are impervious to it. Um, and so I, I think that, um, I think that uh, music and the scriptures and the, the principles of the gospel can be such therapy, you know, in a way yeah. to, to our souls. And it's, it's amazing as you read the Psalms, how many of them are about needing help in times of affliction, right? Like the one you started on Psalm 102, the little superscription is a prayer of the afflicted when he is overwhelmed and poureth out his complaint before the Lord. Right. I mean, and, and yeah. there's something about, as you said, not, not just, how the poetic power of this, and I wish we had the music of how they did it, right? But uh, the poetic power about it, but also about knowing other people have felt the same thing. And and I think with music in particular, sometimes when you hear a song and and, and you have the chance to hit these uh, these voices, like, well, I'll just use an example that uh, you uh, would know powerfully because you've sung the song so many times, Bring Him Home, right? And... Uh, uh, just the way that that song you feel the plea in the way that the voice goes out and sometimes when you feel that you're just like uh and i'll tell you uh, i mean you know that i had the opportunity to hear you sing that recently uh when i had a child who was really going through some difficult things and uh and i felt it differently than i felt it before because i was my soul responded to that it wasn't you know my child wasn't going to die in a war but i still felt like just bring her home just and and if someone had just said the words it wouldn't have struck me the same way as when you're drawing out those notes Uh, i feel someone else has felt what i'm feeling 
Yes. So, you know, and of course, Jean Valjean is a fictional character, but but he's created because people understand these experiences. And to know that someone else has felt this makes you feel less alone. And I didn't feel alone. I mean, my wife and family are aware of this, right? But still, I felt like we're in this together. And the Psalms do that for me as well. There's something about hearing and feeling that someone else understands what you're going through and then knowing you can turn to God with it. And that's what the Psalms are really all about. Uh, that, that There's something powerful about that. Yes. Yeah. And there, there's certain music like bring them home and, and certain other, other songs that the, almost immediately when they start, they elicit some kind of feeling. Mm. And it, it's interesting there a few years ago, after one of our Christmas shows, a lady came up to um, Brad Lieber's wife, Leslie, and she said, hey, I, I wanted to share with you, I, um, I have a special spiritual gift for being able to identify Christ in music. Mm. And not only music, but specific chords and chord progressions. And she said, of, of all the music you performed tonight, I could most clearly hear him in your, your arrangement of Oh Holy Night. And wow. she called it um, Christ Chords. And huh. I've loved thinking about that ever since because there, there is something about some songs where you listen to it and you just, you instantly feel this, this deep, deep feeling. Um, and like, uh, one, one song that comes to mind actually that, that has to do a little bit with this Psalm is, um, Oh, divine redeemer. Mm, yes. And, and I, you know, that's one song that I'd invite the listeners to, to go and and listen to, because Mm -hmm. it's kind of the same journey. It's this, hear my cry, you know, this, Oh Lord, you know, where art thou kind of thing. And then it, and then the that it resolves into from a minor into this major key of O divine redeemer, you know, singing the, the praises and salvation that comes with, with our redeemer. And, and it's just a beautiful um, journey to go on as you listen to it. Um, But I, I, I'm a, I I think I'm a firm believer in this idea that there are certain um, there's certain music, certain chord progressions, certain combinations of notes that are are divine, you know, and that can can instantly bring us peace or, um, you know, or understanding. Yeah, that's powerful. I, I mean, as you say that, I can think of a couple of songs. Interestingly, both Christmas songs, but uh, that I know really affect me that way. That it, like uh, uh, "Oh Holy Night" and "Silent Night." There's just some chords in there that when when we get to those things, I just feel drawn out. To, to Christ. So that's, that's an interesting thought. Hmm. Yes, if I were someone that understood chords, that would be even uh, better. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. all good. So. Well, that's the thing is, I, I think that, um, you know, music truly is like the universal language of mankind. Um, we don't have to have a technical knowledge of it, but we, we all resonate with it. That's why, you know, you can go to a foreign country and hear music in a different language and it still moves you, even though you don't know what they're saying. Yeah. Oh, so, so now I have to tell, so it's kind of a tangent, but I have to tell a story about that. When I was at uh, BYU-Hawaii, uh, I was in joint position, both religion and history. And for history, we all taught world civ. So we would 
like every three years, they would take us to a, some part of the, the world where we were teaching about to kind of help us become more familiar. So we went to Mexico on the, on the one trip I went on. And uh, one of the guys that was with us was a, a musician. He was the percussion teacher uh, at, at BYU-Hawaii. Um, and we had some people that spoke Spanish with us, but, uh, but this guy didn't. And we got into this uh, place we were eating, and they had a marimba band. Um, and their percussionist didn't show up. And uh, so the, the guy that was really a great Spanish speaker, I mean, not only served his mission, but he, he had gotten degrees in Spanish. He was trying to, to communicate with them to, you know, hey, we can work this out and so on and trying to translate about the music. And finally, the, the percussionist, he just said, just never mind. And he just went up there with them and they, they just kind of looked at some things and they just went right. The, the musicians didn't need the language. They, they knew what was going on enough. He just went with them and it was all good. No, no yeah. need for a translator. Uh, yeah. And the translator was in, in the way because that universal language, they, they really, it, it didn't matter if they could understand the words, they understood the music together. Absolutely. Yeah, it's fascinating. I, I was just in um, Switzerland and we had this opportunity to go to a, a little little church on this hillside and there was a yodel choir. Oh, there. yeah. So what what town? I'm curious. It's uh, Lucerne. OK, I know a guy in the yodel choir in the Baron area. So I was just going to ask. Okay. That's where my ancestors are from. But anyway, all right, keep going. Oh, awesome. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I've heard yodeling like at uh, the the Chris Kindle Mart that they do here in Salt Lake and yeah. stuff like that. And so I had this idea of what yodeling was um, almost caricature, almost like a caricaturized version of, of yodeling, yeah. but this choir, we walk in this church and they're singing and it's just this beautiful ethereal sound. Uh, it, it's hard to describe what it sounded like, but it was, it was yodel in a sacred format. You know, uh, that's a, yeah. not two things you usually put together. <laughs> um, but and I didn't I didn't know what they were saying, but instantly you could feel the spirit. Yeah. It was it was just another reminder of how how music can just speak to our, our souls instantly. Yeah. But, uh, you know, as I, I look at uh, verse two in in uh, Psalms 102, uh, hide not thy face from me in the day when I am in trouble. Uh, that that phrase stood out to me because I, I started to ask the question, does the Lord ever hide his face? You know, does he ever turn away from us? Does he ever close the door on us and say, I'll be back next year? <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know. I'm curious to get your thoughts on on this. Um, my my feeling is that he doesn't, you know, he we have these scriptures that um, actually in, in Psalms uh, 136, 12, with a strong hand and with a stretched out arm for his mercy endureth forever. Yeah. Um, you know, I stand at the door and wait. We have these, these scriptures where it seems like the Lord is always there, ready to receive us, ready to, um, to commune with us. But maybe we interpret it as he's hiding his face when we, we don't see him in the way that we expect or want. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think that that's what happens most of the time. There is the one verse in Isaiah where he says, for a little while, I hid my face in wrath, uh, where, and the idea was, um, I tried to humble you. Uh, I tried to get you to come and keep the covenant and come to me, and you just wouldn't. And so I left you on your own for a while, and you realized, you didn't need me and you came back. And I, I suspect that does happen every now and then where, uh, where God says, okay, 
you're just going to need to do this on your own until you'll turn to me because you're not turning to me on your own. It reminds me of President Benson's talk. God will have a humble people. We can either choose to be humble or, or be compelled to be humble. And then he says, let us choose to be humble. That's a much better route, right? Um, and and so I, I, I just based on that one verse in Isaiah, I think there may be times where he says, uh, I'm leaving you on your own for a minute so that you will turn back to me but i think you're right that the vast majority of the time he's and, and even then he's sitting there waiting that's all he's waiting for is for you to come back that's it as soon as you come back good we're we're in this together again and he makes that abundantly clear even in that passage in isaiah he's just been waiting for them uh but i think so often uh he's sitting there pleading trying to get us to pay attention and we're just not listening. We're just doing our own worldly thing. And, and so I think you're, you're right that that's typically what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that part, one of the biggest challenges of mortality is, is trying to align our, our will and our understanding with that of God's. And we're told in the scriptures that, that his thoughts and his ways are, are not our thoughts and our ways. Yeah. And, um, and that that disconnect can be can be difficult. Um, I I think that <clears throat> I don't know. I've I've talked with a, a good friend of mine who's going through some different things and figuring out kind of his faith journey right now. And and uh, and we we've talked about this idea of like um, spiritual uh, dissonance or dissonance mm -hmm. between our our understanding and what God is currently saying. And I think that learning how to live with that dissonance is one of the great challenges of this life. Yeah. You know, be, being okay with, I don't know, or we don't know, or yeah. we, we won't know until some future date. <laughs> yeah. Or, or I feel like I know, but I don't get uh, what you're doing. If, if, I must be wrong, right? But I felt like I was right. So I don't get what's going on here. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I think of the scripture in, in Proverbs, you know, the trust, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, uh, yeah. lean not unto thine own understanding, you know, just, just acknowledging, being humble enough to acknowledge that we, we don't fully understand, but, you know, I think of kind of going back to music, I think of a, a song that I love from the Lamb of God, um, mm. which is a oratorio piece. Um, I, I was in the recent film they released of of the you know the musical uh, presentation uh, but i played peter but this this song is sung by um thomas in in the production and the song is called sometime sometime will understand mm. and i i love it it's beautiful if you have a chance to to listen to it but it's you know the first part of it is um not now but in the coming years um it may not be when we demand We'll read the meaning of our tears, and there, some time we'll understand. Oh, that's great! You know, just just beautiful, beautifully said, and and again, when you combine it with music, it, it kind of goes a little deeper into your soul. Um, yeah. And I would guess yeah. we've all had times like that where we've finally been able to look back and say, "Oh, I, I get that now in a way I didn't before." But I imagine in the sometime in the hereafter there's going to be a whole lot deeper uh amounts of that so yeah i have like a, a running list of things that i like you know <laughs> questions <laughs> i'm excited yeah. to ask about yeah but uh 
Yeah, I think uh, another another part of the Psalms that I, I found interesting was in 119 um, with, uh, so it says 119, one, bless, blessed are the undefiled in, in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Um, so Which verse are you in there? Sorry. That, uh, let me make sure I've got the right verse. I'm sure you do. I, I'm just having a hard time turning my page. So, so it's uh, 119 verse 1. Okay. Oh, yeah, it is right there. Sorry, I was just having a hard time getting to the right spot. Okay. Yeah, so um, as I read this, I, I thought of a recent experience I had. Um, we were in the temple, and, and I'm just, you know, thinking about how how to raise my kids in this crazy world, especially teenagers. Um, I, I was feeling a little anxiety with just the, um, the difficulty that a lot of young adults have um, yeah. these days and staying faithful and staying on a covenant path. Yeah. And just thinking, what can I do as a parent to help you know, instill a, a deeper faith? And the thought that came to me was teach make sure that your children know the gospel make sure that they know what the gospel says and by extension you know prophets and apostles what is being said from sources of truth about any given topic because like the realization i had was i think sometimes we we tend to drift away from a covenant path or just truth when we rely on our own understanding, when, when we're, when we're mm -hmm. leaning on our own understanding to interpret these really difficult questions, even social questions that exist in our day and age. And, and I think sometimes when that happens and we start to think, oh, well, what, what do I think about this? Or what, you know, what do I, how am I interpreting what's being said just through my own understanding or, or experience? then we, we miss a really, really important opportunity to look through the lens of truth, look through the lens of the gospel. And I think that starts with a knowledge of, of the gospel. You know, what, what does the family, the proclamation, um, uh, a family, what's the word? <laughs> a oh, family, no, a proclamation it. to the world. I think. Yeah, that's, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was mixed. I was invert those, but. Um, you know, what does it say in there? What are the, the truths that are taught in, in that document? Um, you know, what, uh, what, is, what do the scriptures say about, um, about any given topic? You know, the word of wisdom or whatever it is. What, are, what have modern prophets and apostles said about these topics? Um, and, and I think that as we do that, we can at least at a minimum know where the standard of the gospel is you know and as i read this i mean that's under walk in the law of the lord we we at least know what what the law says and we still have to make a personal decision at that point but at least we we have that framework and we have that lens to look through that's 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 wonderful here here's what's striking me is that as we're talking we're hitting on a ton of really incredible, important principles by just looking at what, like one verse and another verse. The Psalms are so rich. Yeah. 
mm. in in what they have to offer that we can just choose a, a verse almost anywhere and we could have a long discussion on the doctrinal principles it's just this untapped gem in the church we don't uh we just don't turn to the psalms enough i'd, I'd love for us yeah. as a you know those who are listening and just say you know what i'm just gonna read the psalms kind of con- a little bit of a psalm each day or something like that and uh and see what you can uh, consistently draw from it. But that that's that's powerful stuff that you're hitting on. And I guess while we're on 119, I should at least mention that it's what we call an acrostic, right? So yeah. verses 1 through 8, and I love that we put this in our scripture so you can tell. Uh, all in Hebrew, all of those verses begin with the letter. The first word begins with the letter Aleph, and then, uh, then verses 9 through 16. All in Hebrew, all the first letters of the first words in the verse begin with the letter Bait. And and it just goes through the alphabet and alphabetical order. Aleph, Bait, Gimel, oh, Dalet, Hay wow. is the – that's the alphabetical order, right? Uh, and you can get – I mean, that's where alphabet comes from, the Phoenician version of this, right? Alpha, Aleph, Bet. But uh, uh, so they just uh, – the, the whole – chapter the whole psalm is going through the alphabet it's just kind of a fun little poetic device wow is this like the uh the psalms equivalent of l is for the way you yeah that's right had me <laughs> yeah that's exactly right uh except for that it doesn't spill a word it just does the alphabet but yeah that's right. the whole alphabet <laughs> yeah. so, uh that but, seems a little harder to do so uh, yeah. yeah yeah but it's probably a good way to learn the alphabet uh yeah and that's that's another thing that's worth bringing. So both both poetic devices and music help us in remembering, right? So when yeah. you when you do have uh, an acrostic like this, it's easier to remember because of that device. And then when you set it to music, it's all the easier to remember, right? We can remember um, things that are in a song because it's in a song in a way that we would never remain. In yeah. fact, this is another, so this is a really tangential thing, but uh, to go back to your idea of the power of music, and and I think we should think about the power of it for good and bad and make sure we're using it for good. Uh, I can remember an experience when I was a, a kid. Uh, I, I'm i pretty sure I told this story recently, but not on my podcast. So I, I apologize if I've told this story recently <laughs> on my own podcast, but when I was like a teenager, and one night I got, uh, I was able to go to the store, right? We we didn't get things on Amazon. We had to drive places and get things. And uh, so that day I got both a book I wanted to read and uh, a tape of, uh, I can't remember who it was now, but a, a, a band that I liked. They'd come out with a new album. And so I bought the cassette tape, the, the, for those who know what those are. And uh, and I wanted to do both that night. So I put the the tape in my stereo and I had this thing where it would just play one side and then automatically flip and play the other side. And, and, and so it just kept playing the whole night. But I got into my book and I was so into it. I, I stayed up till like two or three in the morning. Um, so the music was playing in the background, but I never actually was just sitting there listening to the music. I was only reading my book. Right. And I woke up the next morning uh, getting ready for school. And I thought, oh, I never really listened to that tape. And so I turned on and I found I knew every word to every song. Uh, I wow. could recite the songs perfectly because my subconscious had picked up on it. And because it was music, I could remember it, right? I think if that had just been a bunch of poems, I wouldn't have been able to remember it. But because it was set to music, I remembered it and it affected me. And, and But it also scared me a little bit. I thought, I wonder how many things my subconscious is picking up on in music that I'm not aware of. And I have no idea if it's good or bad for me, right? So yeah. that's something to think about. But I think that remembering that uh, uh, power that comes with music is also an important element. Yeah, and they've they've done these studies with Alzheimer's patients and patients mm-hmm. with various forms of dementia, and they they utilize music in this way, right? Like yeah. somebody can't for the life of them remember how to say the word light, 
but then they start singing a song with you know light in it and uh, and they they it comes back instantly and easily to them uh, uh it's it's really fascinating that you know how how it literally connects different parts of our brain and in, in different yeah. ways. you know um so as i look at at verse 2 and 119 um blessed blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart um my my mind as i read that it goes it goes to um the industry that i'm in uh this entertainment industry is is a really tricky space to be mm. in yeah and you know we talk about uh the the youth and the young adults kind of struggling to to find their way and in, in in their testimonies um you know in their early 20s or whatever and and i i've looked at so many friends of mine who have pursued careers in the entertainment industry, who've had a hard time, um, you know, staying yeah. active in the church and faithful to their covenants. And I, I think that, um, so one, one of the questions I get from, from people and, and parents a lot is, Hey, my, my child is wanting to pursue a career in musical theater or film or whatever. Right. And, um, and I, I'd like you to, you know, talk to them and kind of give them some advice. And what I usually tell them when I have an opportunity to speak with people is I say, you have to know before you get involved with anything in the entertainment industry, and really this is anything in life, but you have to know what is it that you really want? Where, where is your heart? You know, mm -hmm. because if, if somebody says to me, I want to pursue a career in musical theater, but I also want to, I want five kids. Then I'm going to instantly say, well, you have to think about this then <laughs> because yeah. those two things are not always compatible. It's yeah. really tough to have a big family and to work in this industry in that capacity. And, um, and so that, that's, I, I think with that one, I, I would say, you know, know what it is you want and what you want your testimony to be in five, 10, 20 years, and then make, make decisions based on um, what those desires are now, because it's really easy to start to justify those things away once you have opportunities coming at you. Mm. Um, I, I remember personally, right out of high school, I, was, um, I got into this acting school in Hollywood and I started going there and it was, it was like exciting, but also a culture shock yeah. going, I grew up in Bountiful, Utah. So I, yeah, I was put right in the middle of Hollywood and, um, and after about two or three weeks of being at the school, I could not deny this feeling nagging feeling that I had that I had to leave the school. Mm. And I just like, I was so distraught because I looked at this as, as an opportunity from God. I looked at it as like a blessing from him to, to be able to do great things and to be a good influence. And of course I had a testimony and of course I, I wanted to go on a mission eventually and all these things. And, and I ended up after, after kind of this battle with the Lord, I ended up leaving. And it wasn't, it wasn't until probably 10 years after that, um, I served a mission and I, I got married and I was, I think I was on tour. I had this epiphany that 
that that ex- I had to have that experience so that the Lord could show me that even if I really, really wanted something in the industry, a role, an opportunity, that I had to choose him first. Ah, that's good. And, um, and, it's, and that principle has served me so well. And I, I don't know what would have happened, honestly. Like I, I don't think I was strong enough spiritually to, um, to maintain a strong testimony and activity in the church. I think that I had to have experiences like my mission and I had to meet my wife and I had to have a child. I had to have these like grounding things happen to me before I could be trusted in a way to get back into the, the craziness of the industry. Um, and, and, you know, as I think about that first tour, the, the ability to, after the show, instead of go out and party, like most of the cast did, I could go home, even though home was a hotel, I could go home, you know, and I could be with my family and have that, that foundation. Um, and it just was a huge, huge blessing. Like I, I think it would have been so much harder. Um, and so, you know, before you get into things, know what it is you want. Um, know that if you want to keep your testimony strong and you, you, you want to, um, you know, live the gospel with your whole heart, know what your standards are and make decisions now that are going to, that are going to keep you on that path. Um, because it, if you, if you wait to make those decisions until you're in the moment, um, it's, it's really hard to do sometimes. Uh, there's so much that's profound in what you've just talked about. And I've, I mean, I, I was on the LA high council for a while. I worked with LA first word Hollywood where I, I, uh, when we lived there, I had a cousin that was living with us in the modeling industry. Uh, I, I know what you're you're saying. I've seen it, and I've seen those who don't, as you say, uh, keep his testimony because they uh, want a few things really badly and uh, and haven't sorted out which one they want more. And yeah. uh, that that industry will tell you what you want more if you and and it's not just that industry. Most industries will tell you what you want the most if you haven't gone in already knowing what you want the most. Yeah. And, and this is, this is kind of how it went in my mind as I was battling at, at the school, I was like, well, like, look at Donny Osmond, <laughs> you know, like yeah, yeah. look at Steve Young, look at like all these like high profile members of the church, they're doing so much good. And immediately the, the scripture that came in my mind was what does it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Uh. So That's basically, good. I think what what the Lord was telling me, me personally, was like, okay, yeah, these people are are doing good and they are light and they are at this example, but you're not ready for that mm. <laughs> because you're going to gain the you know you might gain the world, but you're going to lose your soul, and yeah. so we just have to trust the Lord and His timing and and you know it's hard, it's easier said than done. Yeah, it is, but it's important in in every aspect. I mean, that industry in particular, but really any. Uh, anything we're doing has the potential to draw us closer to God or turn us away. And and we need to uh, have our priorities uh, sorted out beforehand consciously, as you're saying, that's, that's wise advice. Yeah. And, and all that just uh, from verse two, right? So, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but, but I love the, I mean, it, how well you tied it together because it's not just keeping testimony, but it's because you sought him with your whole heart, right? That, that yeah. that's the key. You kept the testimony because you decided 
to put God first. You, your whole heart went into seeking after God instead of part of your heart. So. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Well, I think uh, maybe the last thing here um, in, in 119 that I love is uh, in 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Um, mm. I, I love that. I, I think that the, the gospel for me in my life has been a way to, to see things more clearly. Um, it, it does brighten, you know, the, the world around us. Uh, I, think, I think there's a lot of darkness and negativity in the world, but there's a lot of good. And when we're close to the gospel and to truth, I think it shines the light a little bit brighter on the good, you know, so that we, we can see it because it's, it's really easy to let the negative and the evil overshadow everything else. Um, but, uh, but I, I think, and, and thinking of music specifically, um, it, it has been, I think some of the most spiritual experiences I've had where I've seen the most light in my life and around me has been through music. Mm. Um, I I'll share one experience with you. Um, when I was a teenager, I had a really hard time with one of my family members. We did not get along. Um, I never heard of that before. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Um, and I, and, and this, this had been going on for years. I was 17 and, and I, I always, I knew that the way that I felt about this person and the way that we interacted was just not good. It wasn't, it wasn't filled with the spirit. And I, I knew I needed to change, but I just, I couldn't find a way to do it. And I, when I was 17, had the opportunity to go to the Palmyra temple dedication mm -hmm. um, at my stake center. Cause it was like the, one of the first times that they were broadcasting a, a temple dedication. So uh, we went down and experienced that. And, and at the end of that dedication, when we stood up to sing uh, the spirit of God, I, I was overcome with emotion. I just started to weep. I start, I couldn't even, make a sound. And um, I think a lot of that has to do with that, whatever resonant power and spirit accompanies certain music, especially that song in that context, it, it came in and it literally changed me. It, it you know, you, we read in the scriptures about the mighty change of heart and, and those types of experiences. And I had that instantly. Mm. It, again, thinking of the sand, it was like my sand formation went from here to here. <laughs> and it was just this instantaneous thing. And I, I felt this love that is hard to describe. And, and I didn't want it to end. In fact, later that day, I, I asked my mom if I could not go to school because I didn't want this feeling to end. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it created the, the means and the path for me to make amends you know to to right. start at least to make amends with this family member um and just just a huge huge blessing in my life to to have experienced that um and honestly through through the power i think of music and the spirit that can accompany music uh, that is powerful uh really powerful i i you remind me of 
when I was a missionary, uh, Elder Gene R. Cook came to visit our mission. And he talked about various tools of the spirit, things that will invite the spirit in and, and uh, music and scripture and prayer were at the top of his list. And uh, I think uh, that's a powerful combination that we find here in the Psalms and that you experienced on that day. And, and uh, you had a, a born again experience is what it, it sounds like, right? a real change of heart. And uh, that only happens when the spirit has been invited into your life powerfully by these tools of the spirit. And so Psalms gives us a, a chance to combine a lot of those tools of the spirit as they are prayers, the scriptural prayers uh, that that were originally set to music, and hopefully we can find ways for that to happen. And that's good stuff. Uh, and and uh, I hope I would guess that almost everyone listening has, uh, at least, you know, according to President Nelson, we probably all have some uh, relationship in our life that has more contention in it than it should. And uh, hopefully, you've given us all uh, an idea of some uh, things we can do to Try and follow President Nelson's advice and have some changes of heart and maybe have a little less contention in our life and draw a little closer to the Savior. And what more could we ask than all of that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, Casey, thank you so much. This has been fun. And we, I mean, we we had such a fun discussion and, and didn't get through that many verses just because each verse is so powerful. But I am just so grateful that you would help us uh, think this through and uh, share your your uh, some personal experiences that have made it real for you. Uh, it's made it more real for me, and uh, I'm I'm deeply grateful for that. So thank you. No, thank you, Carrie. I I I love talking about these things. I love I love sharing music. Um, I think music blesses the the giver and receiver equally, and uh, so I I feel I feel a a, a great you know uh, just blessing and, and gratitude. Uh, to to be able to express feelings and and thoughts and testimony through music, um, I, I don't I don't know how the the lines work in heaven for like certain talents and, and things that were given, <laughs> but I'm glad that I ended up in this one. And <laughs> somehow uh, I was in a different line somewhere else. But that's all right. <laughs> I'm glad you ended up in it too. So well, you know, as we we talked before a, a few weeks ago about talents, you know, it's 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 amazing that the the variety of talents that the Lord has blessed us with. It really is kind of this, this symphony of, of beautiful instruments and beautiful talents that all come together to create this, this amazingly beautiful world. Yeah. And uh, so it's, it's, uh, it's an honor to be able to bring what we have to the table and, and you know, express our, our faith and love for God. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Casey. And uh, we hope uh, if, if this was helpful for you, you'll share it with some other people and uh, that all of it helps us uh, come closer to Christ. So uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.